Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. What is often referred to in America as the first Thanksgiving occurred in October 1621. It lasted three days. It was attended by 90 brown-skinned Native Americans along with 53 white-skinned Europeans who had just entered the land in a migrant caravan. Just irritated a bunch of you, didn't I? You know what that means? That means I'm back, baby. That's what that means. Um, I to kind of go along with what Steve said um, Lynn and I missed you guys terribly um, so we were out for four Sundays and I'm not going to go into all of the all the stuff but I had not been able to because of the remodel uh, take any time off and been working uh, nearly every day since March and so we took two weeks of vacation, and then our deacons gave me two weeks of sabbatical. Sabbatical comes from the word Sabbath, which is just meant to rest. And, you know, sometimes a vacation is awesome, but it isn't restful. And so they said, you know what, just go and just relax. And so uh, so we've been out four Sundays, and uh, what that meant for us is getting the opportunity to go and visit other churches where I could just get preached to. I've never gotten preached to four Sundays in a row, can you imagine how backslidden I must be, (laughs) right? So uh, the first Sunday, we went to church in Branson, Missouri, and the guy got up to speak, and he had, you you can look in your bulletin there, I think I have three message points, right? He had 11 message points. He got to seven and time ran out. And so we just have to figure out what the last four might be because he didn't finish. And the second Sunday um, was a guest pastor who had been pastoring um, for 30 years. And he was the his granddad was a pastor and he'd been raised in church and gone to seminary and all that stuff. And then about six months ago, he realized in his words that he wasn't saved. And so he shared with us about his story. And um, in part of his story, he he described hell as, think of all the bad things that have ever happened to you in your life, and hell is all of them happening at the same time. I told the guys on staff that I was not going to contact them while I was gone, and I immediately went, can you believe what, you know... Um, the third Sunday, we went to an, another mega church, and uh, the pastor again had eleven points, and he preached an hour and five minutes. Now, what I'm my takeaway from my time away is, is I'm cheating you guys. I'm not preaching nearly long enough, and not giving you nearly enough points, and so I promise to change that, but not today. I said all that to kind of get to this, well, a couple of things. So last, we were supposed to be 
uh, away last Sunday as well. Last Saturday, we were on the last leg of our trip. We were in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We were going to go to church in Hot Springs. And so I'm kind of, you know, we're, Lynn and I are in our little condo that we're staying in. And, and I told Lynn, I said, you know what? I know we're just kind of waiting to go to church here because I'm supposed to be gone four Sundays, but let's pack up and go home so I can go to one good church on my four weeks off. And so we snuck in, didn't tell anybody, and we snuck in and sat in the balcony in second service last Sunday, and uh, it was awesome. So all that was just to get to this. Um, I don't need Thanksgiving week to cause me to stop and be thankful. Uh, while we were gone, all I could think of when I walked out of church each Sunday was how thankful I am that I get to pastor the most awesome church on the planet and how I get to work alongside the most incredible staff, Kim, Danny, Steve, Tim, Jared, and, and to witness the most amazing and committed volunteers who serve at doors and in nurseries and in Sunday school classes and connection groups and behind computers and behind cameras and instruments and microphones. I, I, I was going to say I stand before you. I sit before you today as a man who is thankful for all of you and thankful to be back. And it's with that backdrop that I want to preach today on being thankful. But before I do that, one of the things that we must be aware of is this. We cannot separate thankfulness and prayer. Throughout the Bible, those two go hand in hand. I want to just run a, a, a three verses by you very quickly. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says this. Don't worry. I tell you what, I want to do this. Just I'm going to see how much you've missed me. If you really missed me, you'll cooperate with me, all right? So I'm going to read this, but you're going to read the yellow words, all right? So here we go. Don't worry about anything. Instead, about everything. Tell God what you need and for all, thank Him for all He's done. Look at the next verse. We always, for you, and we give to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 4, 2 says this. Devote yourselves to, with an alert mind and a heart. Those are just three verses I could have given you dozens. But when you get in your Bible, you find out that, that thankfulness and prayer go together. A mistake that we often make is thinking that prayer is nothing more than a spiritual wish list. God, give me. God, fix for me. God, do for me. And while asking is part of prayer, it's only part Another major part of prayer is being purposeful to thank God for what he's already done. There's a lot of Christians, honestly, and I'm sure many of you, that you're afraid. Like if right now, if I called on you and said, would you stand and pray for us right now? You would like swallow your tongue. Because you're just, you're kind of nervous. You're afraid to pray in public. And the reason is because you're like, I don't know what to say. Do you know why a lot of times you feel that way? It's because in your mind, you're thinking, I don't know what to ask for. Let me tell you how to always know how to pray. Start off like this. God, thank you for, and just start filling in the blanks. It doesn't matter what your context is. You know what? Some of you might get asked to pray for Thanksgiving meal. Don't plan something. Just begin thinking, what am I thankful for? God, thank you. For your son, Jesus, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my children. Thank you for our health. God, thank you I have a job. Thank you for my church. Thank you for these great neighbors I have. You know what? You can pray a long time if you stop and think of what it is that you're thankful for. So these things, they go together. 
So let's just let's be real for just a moment, parents. Aren't you less inclined to do something for your child if they didn't thank you for it when you did it for them last time? And what happens often is, is, is our kids, they can, because we love them and because we do for them and we provide for them, we care for them, it's easy for them to get to feel like we owe it to them. And they get entitled and they take us for granted and they, and they live as if we owe it to them to always do every nice thing for them that they want. It's pretty nervy, honestly, for them to do us that way. And it's equally nervy for us to ask God for something when we didn't thank him in prayer for what he's already done for us. So understanding how prayer and thankfulness go together. I want to look at a parable of two praying men in Luke chapter 18. So let's begin reading in verse 10. We're going to read verses 10 through 14. Two men went to the temple to do what? To pray. So here we have our context here. One of these was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, Jesus is speaking now and giving his his commentary to this. He says, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here we have a parable that Jesus speaks about, about two men, a Pharisee and a tax collector. And both of them come to pray. But their prayers are completely different, aren't they? They don't resemble each other in any way, shape, or form. The Pharisee comes across as, as super arrogant and the tax collector incredibly humble. So notice something incredibly interesting about the Pharisee's prayer. So look at verse 11. It says this, The Pharisee stood by himself, and what did he do? Talk to me. He prayed, and look what his prayer was. I thank you, God. That was the start of his prayer. See, what he did was, he just spoke, he just prayed words of thankfulness. And although they sound the same and look the same, there is a difference in being thankful and thankful. You might be thinking, what in the world is thankful? Don't be alarmed if you've never heard of that word. It's just another word I just made up. In the history of the world, this this word has never been coined until today. You were here to witness it. Thankful, right, is thanking fully. So what is thankful? Well, what is faux? We know that anything that's faux, it's fake. It's artificial. Faux pearls look like pearls, but they're fake. Faux fur looks like fur, but it's fake. Thankful is something that looks just like thankfulness, but it's fake. 
And even though the Pharisee said, God, I thank you, his thanks, his thankfulness, it was fake. He wasn't using prayer to truly thank God. He was using prayer to brag on himself. He was fooling himself. And if we aren't careful, we can fool ourselves thinking that we're thankful when in reality, it's fake. Today, I want to share with you three ingredients found in those who are thankful. We find them in the Pharisee. And if we're not careful, we may find them in ourselves as well. The first is this, conceit. The first ingredient found in those who are thankful, whose thankfulness is fake, is conceit. We define conceit as excessive pride in self. And that's exactly how the Pharisee felt. In verse 11, basically what he's saying is this. I'm thankful that I'm better than everybody else. You know what it feels like to me? I mean, I don't know how you visualize Scripture, right? I know we all do it differently, but I, I like to try to visualize what's going on. And when I, when I visualize this Pharisee, who the Bible says that he stood by himself, and so what I see is him kind of going in the temple area and, and kind of moving everybody away, kind of like, hey, I'm here. And, 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 I, and I'm going to pray, and you might want to hear this, because I'm just kind of awesome. And so he stands, and he clears, him, clears himself off a spot. And, and as I visualize him praying this, I'm, I'm so awesome prayer, it kind of makes me think of a, an NFL football touchdown dance, Right? God, thank you for making me so much more awesome than everybody else. I am so incredible and spiritually awesome. Thank you. That's kind of how I see this going on. He is so full of himself. He is so conceited. And here's what happens. If we aren't careful, we can turn our blessings, something that God has done for us, into conceit, thinking that it's all about us. We can begin to develop this, God, you are so lucky to have me attitude. And when we get to this place, you know what happens? We have zero spiritual self-awareness. We're using Christian words and Christian phrases, but we don't mean any of them. It's all fake. And here's the thing, we may not even realize it. So the first ingredient for those whose thankfulness is fake, is conceit. The second is categorization. Categorization. If I wasn't mowing yards or in a little bit of time that I was, that Dusty Ballman, who attends our church, hired me to work in one of his construction crews, I worked at Kroger's in Greenville. And one of the jobs that they would occasionally give me if I worked the six to midnight shift was they would say, all right, go categorize all the Coke bottles. Now, again, this is one of those deals that the youngsters don't even understand. Why would you take all this plastic and categorize it, right? But back in that day, the, the Coke bottles were glass. And you had the big ones and the small ones, and people would bring them back and get money back, the deposit. And so at the grocery store, we would have to stack them and categorize them by, you know, by brand and by size and all that in the wooden crates so that then the company would come pick them up. And so that's what I would do. And so I would categorize, you know, the, the Dr. Pepper 
big glass bottles here, the Dr. Pepper small glass bottles here, and stack them up as high as you could, and Pepsi and Mountain Dew and, and all of those things. So what, what you're doing is you're, you're sorting them. When we categorize things, what we're doing with them is we are sorting them in some order. And the Pharisee and all who are living in this fake thankfulness, they do so with sin. They categorize sin. Verse 11. He stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. And I'll stop there for now. First of all, let me just say this. Where it says I don't sin, that's kind of a poor translation. Here's what he's actually saying. He's saying this. In our terms today, he's saying, I'm not a thief. I'm not dishonest. And I'm not an adulterer. He picks three things. And I guess those are the things that bothered him the most. And he says, I'm not those. And he compares himself by categorizing those three things. Now, it's within, within all of us to categorize sin. But for him, it wasn't just a weak moment or a simple thought to himself. He is expressing this in his prayer to God. This is his belief system. And the funny thing about those who categorize sin is everyone else's sin is always worse than the one who's categorizing. You ever notice that? Like, I struggle with the same things you do, and there have been times that I have categorized sin, and when I do, it's because I'm sinning, and I want to feel better than somebody else. There's never been one time that when I've categorized sin, I've thought, man, my sin's much worse than theirs. I don't pick those people, right? When we categorize sin, we're always comparing that to, the, to sin that's much worse than ours. So the first ingredient to fake thankfulness is conceit. And that leads to the second ingredient, which is categorization or, 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 or sorting out the sins to make ourselves look better. Because it causes us to look down on other people's sin and then turn a blind eye to our own. And then the second ingredient leads to the third, which is comparison. Comparison. So let's look again in verse 11. I'm going to pick up kind of right in the middle. He said, I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. Look where he says here. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Can I just be honest? I just want to punch the Pharisee. I know it's not very spiritual, but that attitude, man, it just crawls all over me. I'm certainly not like that guy. See, people that live in a fake thankfulness compare themselves to other people. And, and just like the Pharisee here, what they do is, 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 or when we do it, we begin to show our highlight reel, right? And you know what a highlight reel is? When a high school athlete is trying to, to get a, a scholarship to go play sports at a college, he sends them his highlight reel. And what that means is that he's sending them all of the good plays he's ever made. No player has ever sent a reel with all of his mistakes and all of his penalties and all of his screw-ups. Pharisee is praying his highlight reel. He's telling God how great he is in his prayer. When I, I have a truck, when I drive my truck, I, I generally, just by nature, at my left, I know you're supposed to do 10 and 2, right? So... 
So those of you that are in driver's ed, you ignore everything I'm about to say. But my left hand goes here, and then I, it's an automatic transmission, but it has a gear shift right here. And so my right hand just goes there, which is where it sits. That's what's comfortable for me, so that's how I drive. And so on this time where Lynn and I have been away, we took my truck. And uh, so a lot of time in the truck together. And so I'm sitting like this with my hand right here. And a lot of times, Lynn sitting over here, she would take her left hand and place it on top of my hand. And so we're, you know, holding hands as we drive down the road. Hours and hours and miles like that. Um, So when we got back one day this week we had to put her car in the shop and so she had my truck and she came and picked me up here at the church at the end of the day and uh, so I got in the passenger seat which I never do right I mean I always drive you know we're like the like dogs or boys cats or girls we're always the I drive and she sits in the passenger seat that's just the way it is but I hopped in the passenger seat for us for her to drive us home and we're driving just from the church to our house which takes about 10 12 minutes and she's got her hand right there and her hand right here and I'm sitting in the passenger seat over here, just minding my own business. She does this. And I was like, I know she doesn't have rhythm, but that does not go with the music we're listening to. And I don't do anything because I don't know what she's doing. And then she, again, she goes. And I looked at her and I said, what? She said, you know what? So I put my hand on her hand and we... Held hands the rest of the way home. Here's the deal. It dawned on me finally. She was prodding me, right? To hold her hand. That's what the Pharisee was doing. He was prodding God with his spiritual bragging in his prayer to acknowledge how awesome he was. Comparing himself to others. And if we're not careful, we can become guilty of doing that as well. When we live in this state of fake thankfulness, we use spiritual talk. And we even do spiritual stuff. And what we're doing is we're prodding God for applause or for favor. And often, we do it by finding someone that we think that we're spiritually better than. And we bring them up to the Lord. That's exactly what the Pharisee does. Compares himself to the tax collector. That's what he did there in verse 11. He says this, I'm certainly not like that tax collector. So part of his bragging is how he's not like the tax collector. And you know what? This is the first thing that he's actually said that's true. Because he is nothing like that tax collector. See, the Pharisee, the one that's living in fake thankfulness, was living in awe of himself, focused on what he thought he deserved. But the tax collector was living in awe of God, focused on a hope of not getting what he knew he deserved. Look at verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I wonder, again, in visualizing this, how you have visualized this tax collector. See, many people carry the contrast because it's a contrast between two and they're so different in every area. Often we carry this contrast a little bit too far. We think, and and it's it's a great assumption, that the Pharisee is probably wealthy and dressed very nicely. And so because we carry out the contrast, we think the tax collector not so. 
But that's not the case at all. This tax collector wasn't poor. He wasn't dressed in rags. A tax collector was a, was a lucrative career. He had money. He had nice clothes. He had nice things. But here's the thing. But he was unsatisfied. He was rich. But he was empty. And now he returns to God. You see, when he became a tax collector, he had to turn his back on his nation and on his God. But now he has returned to God in his brokenness and in his emptiness and in his life of unsatisfaction. And he's come back and he said to God, forgive me. I'm asking for your mercy. Verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. God loves you. And he is for you. But God's goal for you isn't for you to be glorified. His goal is that he will be glorified so that sinners will be drawn to him because he alone has the answer to the sin of the world. I don't have the answer. I can tell someone who does have the answer. I can't do anything to save anybody. I can't do anything to forgive someone's sin. Only God can do that. And that's why the ultimate goal for all of us is the things that we do is to not glorify self because we're not the answer. It's to glorify him because he is the answer for the sin of the world. We often tell God, let me say this, we all at some point or another, we all tell God, look what I've done. But here's the thing, how we say it shows whether we identify with the Pharisee or the tax collector. You see, there are way too many who are like the Pharisee, who are like, look what I've done! And not enough who are like the tax collector, who are like, God, look what I've done. Christians, we need to see ourselves as nothing more than sinners who are unworthy recipients of God's love and mercy. When we come to grips with that sobering thought, it causes us to be truly thankful. The question is, are you truly thankful for what God has done for you? Or are you thank foe? Is it, God, look what I've done. God, look what I've done. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Let me just address everyone here first. What I'm about to say applies to every one of us. When we pray... Be sure to always include thankfulness. There should never be a prayer that we pray, ever, that doesn't find in it somewhere, God, thank you. Say, well, Paul, but how how if, 
if I've got a loved one that's hanging on to, to life after a tragedy, how do I pray thank you? How about this? If they're 30 years old, God, thank you for this 30 awesome years that I've had. Now, God, I want to ask that you might heal their body. There's always a way to show thankfulness. Every time you pray, always show thankfulness. But I can't help but think this morning that there might be some here today that really identify really closely to that tax collector. And by that I mean, you've had the fun. You've had the lucrative career. You've had the money and the stuff, but you still feel empty and unsatisfied. Jesus said this, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. So maybe today you're finally ready to do what the tax collector did and just say, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. God, I'm not special, I'm not worthy. I'm just a sinner. But I'm turning to you today. If you need Jesus Christ today, if you find that you've had all the stuff, you've had the success, and you've had the money, but you're empty and you're unsatisfied, I want you to understand what you're looking for is Jesus. Would you come to him today? Would you be willing to just pray, God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I need Jesus today. The Bible says that if we will call to him and confess our sin, we can know we have eternal life. If you need Jesus today, why don't you pray this with me? You just pray it to yourself. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. And I need your mercy. I'm not special. I'm not worthy. But I know I need you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I want to receive you as my Savior today. So God, take my life and make me new as I humble myself before you today. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that God just made your reservation in heaven, a reservation that cannot be erased. God loves you so much, but he does ask us to humble ourselves and express our need for him. And I hope that you won't leave today without doing that. Father, we need you. And church, even now as I pray, would you stand with me and join me in this prayer? Father, we need you. We acknowledge that even though people may have told us that we're awesome and great and worthy, we, we come before you today and we just acknowledge that we're just sinners in need of mercy. Lord, if there are any today that came today not knowing Christ as their Savior, I pray that they will have 
humbled themselves and received Him today. For those that came today already having a relationship with Christ, God, help each of us to never lose sight of the fact that we're unworthy recipients of God's love and grace and mercy. Father, help us to keep a focus on that. And as we keep that focus, Lord, you will help us to know what it is to be truly thankful, not just in that one area, but in every area of our life. So God, help us today to be truly, truly thankful. That you remain standing as we worship together.